into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. Hello, Mitch. How you doing? <laughs> I am doing great. How about yourself? Not too bad. Just got done seeing some awesome comic book shows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that takes us right into Televised Heroics, Episode 6, then. Can you believe it? Episode 6 already. can't believe we've been working on this project already and, you know, for this long, and we already have six episodes. That is pretty crazy, six episodes. It's um, a month and a half, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have uh, some great shows for this week, so let's just go over what those shows are real fast. We got uh, Arrow. Flash, I'll talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then what The Walking Dead, brand new season of The Walking Dead. Perfect. And uh, to our listeners, I do apologize. Um, the Fox website was having a couple of issues where it'll load the episode, but it just won't play. So we will not be discussing Gotham this week. Uh, we will cover um, the episode, uh, two episodes on our next podcast. So hope you guys still enjoy the show. Yeah, that's right. Next week we'll have... A double Gotham episode, just for those still keeping track of what is happening with Detective Gordon and his crew. And you can't forget about Bullock. That's right. Harvey Bullock, his partner. Any news that you came across this week that you were interested in? Anything that having to do with pertaining to our shows? Um, I mean, I guess this will lead us right into uh, The Walking Dead, but the article that I read... Uh, was uh, basically an interview with Robert Kirkman that he did at a panel at uh, New York Comic Con. And basically he said that as long as he's associated with the show, so as long as he's writing, producing, or directing, he says that he will not kill off Carol. Wow, that's uh, some pretty big news. He won't kill off Carol. That's a character that he'll just he'll he'll keep for as long as he's producing or writing the show, huh? Yeah, so I'm surprised that, you know, Carol may outlive Rick. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's see, that's what I'm saying. It's like in a show where pretty much we're supposed to believe that uh, no character is safe, he's come right out and said, look, this character will not be touched. And, I mean, this The Walking Dead is basically like Game of Thrones. You know, everybody dies. So, yeah, it's just big news for, you know, the big show creator to say, or the comic book writer, just to say, hey, no, this character is not going to die. And his input is basically that in the comics, you know, this character is really meek and just goes to show you how a character can just break down and just lose it in this apocalypse. But he said that they spent so much character development on her that he wants to see, you know, what journey the show will have for her. Well, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, that that's true. So NYCC was last weekend, and uh, that's a pretty big announcement to come out of there. Is there any other announcements you heard, or anything? Just anything at all? It doesn't have to be about the TV show. Um, I don't. Uh, might not really. What uh, have you heard of anything? Did you see anything? 
Uh, the only thing I really saw that I was too interested in was uh, the trailer for Batman Bad Blood, the new animated movie. I did see it uh, shared around on Facebook, but I didn't actually have the time to watch it. It's basically um, it's the storyline after Batman is shot and air quotes killed. So in the comic books, actually he ends up you know unstuck from time and traveling around and and skipping through time. But in this, it's going to be Dick Grayson as Batman taking over the mantle. Dick Grayson and then um, uh, Damien being his Robin. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Should be an interesting uh, animated series. I think I've enjoyed a lot of the animated movies so far. Uh, they are really taking the idea of the comic books and stuck pretty closely to the storylines that are already present and translated it onto uh, the screen pretty well, keeping with the darker content and also the more mature audiences. I didn't think that this would actually happen because it was an animated movie. In Flashpoint, where, you know, Diane just kind of kills Mara off and, you know, just shows the decapitated head to Aquaman. I wasn't expecting that at all. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Flashpoint, I think, is the first, one of the first times I remember really, or the animated movies really showing risque uh, footage, just like uh, later on in that movie, Wonder Woman, or shown killing off the Shazam kids. Yep. (laughs) And that's a group of kids that she killed, so that that was pretty (laughs) intense you know they showed us uh what they didn't show us in star wars you know since anakin killed younglings <laughs> that's true <laughs> oh star wars <laughs> for most of the people who don't know i mean we record usually on saturdays or sunday mornings so we won't ever have the newest episode of the walking dead to talk about once this comes out on tuesdays so we we're usually about a week behind but i think that's probably good because that's more of a show that people might not get to watch right when it airs, and uh, they have a chance to catch it before we end up spoiling it. And especially because this season premiere was a giant-sized episode, an hour and a half. That's true. It's a very, it was a very large episode, so we will always be probably about a week behind on The Walking Dead. But that's going to be the last show we talk about, so let's go ahead and talk about Arrow. All right. <laughs> so this, many I questions. Want, I, well, I wanted to say, because we had forgotten to, to talk about this last week, Captain Lance has formed an alliance with Damien Dark and his ghost soldiers. Uh, we didn't bring that up in last week's podcast. I was about to, but then I said I'll save it to the end, but uh, I never did bring it up again. So we find out that he is he's working with um, Damien Dark, but not because he wants to, because he has to. So it's it's reluctantly working with him. I don't want to jump in because that's probably mid-episode. I What really caught my eye in this one was just because uh, instantly, I know it didn't start off on a flashback, but seconds into the episode, it there's already a flashback. Like flashback to the island? Yeah. See, I think that's pretty much all I can remember from this episode was the stuff that happened on the island. So the stuff that happened on the island, you know, uh, we see Ollie... Having having to deal with the fact that he just killed, or no, the soldier has, has a gun to the back of his head, and he uh, disarms the guy, takes the guy's knife, stabs him. Guy's dead. Ollie has to figure out what else is going on on the on the island. He goes and finds the other uh, soldiers that this guy's a part of, and he sees that there's there uh, looks like they're harvesting um, drug crops. So once he figures that out, he talks. I believe he talks to Amanda Waller. 
uh, through a little laptop thing that he got from the dead soldier. That's right. So he's able to get in communications with Amanda Waller. She says you need to infiltrate their ranks and figure out you know, what they're doing there. And he is able to basically set off a mine or set off an explosive using the dead man's body, making it look like the two of them had, like he was also in the explosion. And when the other soldiers come, or they think that he didn't actually take the soldier out, that the soldier tripped the mine. So he is taken back to their lair. Their boss knows who he is, that he's Oliver Queen. Is a celebrity. Yeah, he's, he's somewhat of a celebrity. And then he informs him that, uh, yeah, we're not here to rescue you. And we're not calling anybody to rescue you. We're a drug operation. So you need to um, get that out of your mind. And then Ollie basically takes in ranks with them. And he is undercover to almost to say that he is one of the bad guy soldiers. And when they, one of the people that is being forced to pick these drug fields... He uh, drops from exhaustion, uh, and one of the soldiers says, get back to work or else you get killed. And this is the part where you'd think Ollie would stop and say, hey, no, the guy's hurt and stuff. No, he joins in and he's like, you heard the man, get back to work. So that's all the flashbacks throughout the whole episode. And I thought that was the more interesting story this time around. Definitely. I mean, there's only, I want to say, three flashbacks, uh, and I want to say previous episodes have been more flashback heavy. That's true. And I think they try to get us more into, oh, buy into this whole story, what's going on in Star City right now, instead of like, yeah, we don't need to worry about the island. So that's funny to think, you know, because once, if you think back to the first season, the first episode, when Ollie is rescued from the island, there are no other soldiers, so... We're going to find out throughout through flashbacks through the season that either he, he somehow took them out and and got the people to safety or, uh, you know, they left him behind and left him there to rot. So it's going to be interesting to find out. We all know that Argus isn't going to help out, you know, these innocent people either. That's right. Yeah. Amanda Waller's not interested in helping out these people or taking down this drug cartel, I assume. The other thing I do remember from the show is Fusty is taking over the reins of Palmer Industries. And from the sounds of it, Palmer Industries has taken quite the hit in the stock market due to Ray Palmer, quote-unquote, dying. No one knows where he's at, his, and there was a big explosion in his, his laboratory. We know as an audience that he became the Atom and shrunk down, or at least I think that's what we can assume, because we know he's going to show up in Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> but we had Felicity take over the business side and hit her board was telling her that she needs to downsize the company. People need to get fired so that they can stay in the red or is it in the black, whichever one. I never remember which it is in finance. Basically they can stay in profit. (laughs) And through this uh, incident, we are introduced to a new character, but it's a character that we know from the comic books. Did you catch that? No, no, I was actually going to ask you who he is, but before you go any further, I did want to say that he looked, in the first scene, he looked a lot like uh, one of the main characters from the IT crowd. Oh, Maurice Moss? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, he did. They did have a very similar look. Uh, I think that's more, that's a lot of the, we want the very nerdy look for the guy because he's supposed <laughs> to be the, this tech guy. He comes up with this 
algorithm to figure out who useful to the company. He later on tells Felicity that um, the algorithm was supposed to help get people raises because of the of their work, the work they do. But uh, the chair, the the board ended up turning it around and using it for who the people lowest on the list are going to be the ones that should be fired. Not necessarily that they do a bad job, it's just that they don't deserve to be there in their eyes. The idea is, or the the name that the character has is Holt, and Holt, Michael Holt, is uh, Mr. Terrific from the JSA, in um, or in oh. DC Comics. Uh, he is the inventor of the T spheres, and uh, he he's a very intelligent man. He knows a lot of things, and he's he's invented a lot of things. So, I think once we get to the end of the episode where uh, Felicity says, I'm hiring the people back that I fired and we have a brand new technology that we are going to unroll that's going to help save Palmer Industries. And they they walk out of the boardroom and uh, Holt says, what's the new technology? And she says, I don't know. You're going to invent something. I figure you probably have something on the on the drawing board. And he says, yes, <laughs> I do, actually. So I think that might be like T-spheres or, you know, basically something something to do with Mr. Terrific. Do you think that he will uh, make a cameo or be in a couple of episodes of uh, Hero, uh, Legends of Tomorrow? I, I don't know. It's very likely he could be. It'd be smart of the, for them to use him. I think he's gonna he's gonna be mostly on Arrow. Uh, they'll probably end up using him a lot more. Other than that, I, I I don't know where where they might use him in Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. The other big development that happened in this episode was Ollie told the rest of the group, or at least Laurel, what happened to Thea in Panda... Or, Panda Barbet. Yeah, Panda exactly. Barbet. <laughs> right. <laughs> she, he informs them that, you know, when you throw, or when you put the uh, a dying person's body into the Lazarus pit, they are revived. Though, when they come out, they can be a little twisted or, you know, damaged mentally or whatever. And those... It, might, it seems like that psychosis might be popping up now on Thea. It took a while, but she's now becoming more um, enraged whenever she's fighting someone to the point where she might not stop in time before killing a person. And Ollie fought her, and, you know, he said that all the other techniques you're using, they're meant to use, you know, so you can cripple someone. It's like, you can just knock somebody out. You don't have to go to that extreme. And I think that's when they got into a little brawl. Yeah, and we had a we had a little uh, speedy versus Green Arrow fight. Uh, I mean, and which makes sense because the way she learned to fight was from from Malcolm, Malcolm Merlin. So I mean, he would teach her, if anything, the the ways to kill somebody and cripple somebody, not to knock them out or to uh, take them down so that they are out of the way. It's permanently out of the way with him. So that makes sense, but. Ollie is trying to teach her a different way. As her big brother, he also needs to look out for her and make sure she doesn't go down the wrong path again. Character development-wise, do you think that, you know, her just throwing rage, you know, fits of rage is going to get overplayed? I, I don't know if it's going to get overplayed. I, I imagine it's probably going to be like our uh, mini arc for this first half of the season. It's going to be a lot of him having to talk her down to the point where eventually... Either she'll leave so she can get some inner peace, or uh, they'll bring in another teacher that will will show her how to calm herself down and be in control of herself, and that will just be kind of overlaying arc. It'll probably end by the mid-season, I would assume. Okay. So do you think that uh, her fits of rage are worse than, you know, 
Speedy being a heroin addict in the comics. <laughs> Are they worse? No. <laughs> I think Roy Harper being a heroin addict was a very bad thing, and, I, and it's awesome that they were they were able to tackle such a controversial uh, topic in the day. Character trait that Roy Harper, as a comic book character, has has had to uh, deal with the repercussions from you know for a very long time. But the other development that we had come out of the fact that Ollie explained what happened in Nanda Prabhat, Thea and Laurel went to go dig up Sarah's body. Which kind of bothered me a little bit. Only reason is, uh, I guess one of the bigger questions I have is, what's going to happen once they throw in the pit? I mean, probably no, you know, bombing fluid, but I mean, but I guess another thing that bothered me too was when they opened up the grave, Laurel didn't react to the smell at all. That's true, she didn't. Um, you know, <laughs> and that's probably just uh, something that they overlooked or, or forgot about when, when making the episode and the director just didn't decide for them to go back. But the I think the more shocking thing was the look of the body. It was, I mean, it's a good, it's supposed to be a good year, year after I think. she died. Because it happened, she died at the beginning of season three. Three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... We know at the end of season three and the beginning of season four, there's six months difference. So you got to imagine that there's anywhere between six months and a year uh, difference from the the beginning of season three to the the end of season three. I think too it frazzled me a little, or not frazzled. I was just a little bit confused about is okay. You know what the Lazarus Pit is doing to Thea? Why are you going to put your sister through the exact same thing? Because I, I assume that she's she'd rather have her alive than be alive and crazy than dead and not. <laughs> That's just the way heroes and superheroes think all the time. I mean, I don't know if you watch Supernatural at all, but how many times the two brothers have died each, and every time they say, "Look, this is the last time. Don't do anything if I die." Yet the other one always goes and tries to save them somehow, and there's always repercussions from it. It's true. How do you think um, Detective Lance is going to react to Sarah coming back? I think if he actually sees Sarah come back, because we know Sarah is supposed to show up in Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. There might be a chance that she doesn't even make an appearance in Star City. She might just get, after she gets brought back to life and they explain to her what happened, she might get whisked away to go be on that show. But if he actually does see her, I think he might go crazy because <laughs> <laughs> she died and he lost it. She came back to life and he was happy, but he didn't understand what was going on. Then they told her that she was still alive, but she was actually already dead again. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He might go he might go crazy if uh if she comes back to life once again, let alone die once again. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, or his heart won't be able to take it. That's true, well, which they've already established. He has, he doesn't have the strongest heart. Something that stood out to me is how Diggle brought up, you know, the hive. And he didn't mention uh, Floyd Lawton, but do you think that there's a possibility of maybe them having to work with Floyd or maybe the Suicide Squad, the Aero Suicide Squad, to try to take down the hive? I, I wouldn't be surprised if the squad didn't at least have a, another episode in this season. Then again, Warner Brothers might not want them to bring up 
that Suicide Squad again and just bring up Floyd because of the movie? Because that's the same reason why they didn't... I don't know if you knew this, but back when uh, Smallville was on the air, a young Bruce Wayne was supposed to show up at one point and be part of the whole season, but then they didn't have him... They At last minute, they changed the character's name to Adam uh, Knight. He was, no, he was no longer Bruce Wayne because they didn't want people to confuse... Bruce Wayne that's on TV with the Bruce Wayne that's going to be in the new movie that Christopher Nolan was making, which was Batman Begins. Ah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of uh, trivia there, but I think they've come to a, a way of seeing it that the two can coexist and it's not going to really hurt anybody. Yeah. So I forgot the one, the, the other big reveal in this season because the whole episode was about uh, a friend of the family played by Jerry Ryan, Dansworth. You know, running for mayor. Yes. Of Star City. And we already had... Everybody's telling her it's a bad idea because uh, the last two mayors have died and uh, the last, you know, uh, Ollie's mom, who was also running for mayor, died. So being mayor of Star City is not a good health plan. (laughs) (laughs) So when that happens, Damien Dark and his ghosts, they try to take her out. Take out, take her out and her daughter. Ollie takes it upon himself that he needs to uh, save them and, and stop this from happening. But once he does finish, or, or he does save the Jerry Ryan and her daughter, he comes up with an idea. <laughs> and his big idea is that Oliver Queen should run for mayor of Star City. And as I want to tell you this, I was watching the episode. And as they're doing this scene where he's sitting out there on the terrace with uh, Felicity, and he's thinking about it, and they're pushing in with the camera, I'm like, oh my god, they're going to do it. I I knew exactly where this is going. All the dialogue was just building up, and I was like, oh no, they're going to do it. They're going to make him run for mayor. And that's when I was, I remembered the storyline in in Green Arrow where Oliver Queen is the mayor of Star City. And I was like, that was the worst story ever. (laughs) I thought it was terrible. Why would I want my superhero, vigilante hero, to be the mayor of the city? Oh, it was so bad. So I'm not looking forward to Oliver Queen, mayor of Star City. Do you think um, this season might, I don't know, drag out? I think that it is not going to be as action-packed as previous seasons, especially last season with all the uh, League of League of Assassins or League of Shadows stuff that was going on. I think this is going to be a different type of season with uh, all the bickering amongst the team and all the side deals that are happening with like Laurel and Thea and, and uh, Diggle not telling people about the hive and you know all this stuff it's going to be the team pit against themselves instead of going up against Damian Dark more than more often than not and do you think that that Thea I, I think she needs a voice do you think that Thea needs a voice or a voice changer <laughs> well I, I honestly I I think they all do I mean at the beginning <laughs> of the episode they're fighting and Felicity says look I need a code name I need Something so that you don't just say Felicity when you're talking to me. <laughs> and then she's like, everybody else has a code name. And I was like, well, Dick doesn't have a code name. You guys still call him Dick, which is terrible because you gave him a mask. 
So, it, which only reminded me of the Green Hornet, where Kato wears a mask, but he still calls him Kato, so what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's what I was like, oh, you know, Dig really needs uh, some type of code name and to lose that helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For now, that helmet is, you know, better than just running around without, you know, any anything to cover your face. <laughs> I don't know, almost, to me it almost seems like it's not, because I would think that Diggle, being ex-Special Forces that he is, wouldn't want a helmet that would block his peripheral vision. Like, it is literally making him look into a box. <laughs> like, he can't see the stuff that's coming from his sides. So, I, I thought, it, I don't know, that helmet needs to go, he needs a code name, <laughs> something needs to happen real soon. And we all know that Arrow loves to borrow from... Uh, you know, Batman. So do no, you think, really? <laughs> do you think that maybe they're gonna start calling Felicity Oracle? If they did, I will have a giant rant that I'm gonna talk about on this show. The next, <laughs> the, the next, the episode after that happens because <laughs> that is terrible. Don't steal that name away from Barbara Gordon. It's probably one of the the best persona she had. I think Oracle was an even better character than, than Batgirl, and that's just, that's me. That's all, I, I mean, you can disagree with me any way you want, you can <laughs> call me a dumbass, but I think Oracle was a much better, well-filled-out character than Batgirl ever was. And I mean, and after what happened, you know, in the Killing Joke, that's how they reincorporated her into the comics again, and it worked in a really good way, working as, you know, Batman's intel. Exactly. I mean... She was already going to college to be a librarian. <laughs> but, I mean, at least that it showed that she's an intelligent character and that she took it upon herself to learn more things like hacking when uh, she was not able to be Batgirl anymore. So, yeah, if they took away Oracle and gave that to Felicity, I would be very upset. <laughs> Come up with something else. She can be Target or, you know, if you want to stick with arrow themes she could be quiver or uh lookout or i don't know anything just don't call her or <laughs> final question for you this ollie that we see on tv do you think that he would get along with any justice league members well i mean we already know that he gets along for the most part with barry as the flash so i wouldn't see why not i mean as long as he sees that they're able i mean if you want to take into account that he's this ollie is batman light <laughs> as long as they stay out of star city his city he's going to be fine with them you can superman can do whatever he wants in metropolis aquaman can do whatever he wants underneath the sea princess diana can take care of uh Themyscira, but don't come into star city and we won't have a problem <laughs> Only reason I ask is because I feel like he would butt heads with uh, Green Lantern, so Hal Jordan, and I mean, I know that this one's very Bruce Wayne, or not Bruce Wayne, but Batman-like, I feel like he would butt heads with Batman as well. If, I mean, yeah, that's exactly, well, yeah, I mean, well, in the comic books, you know, I think Green Arrow and Batman usually do butt heads pretty, pretty, pretty often. often. Yeah. Um, it would be very sad if they had him butt heads with Hal, because... That's one of the oldest like friendships out there. It's Hal and, and, and Ollie. They're, they're best buds. The only other friendship that's probably stronger is Hal and Barry. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is because, I mean, he's just really stubborn and, you know, he wants shit done his way. 
and how Hal is very Boy Scout and we need to do things the right way. That's why I feel like they would butt heads in this I universe. I don't think I don't think Hal is very Boy Scout. I don't know if, <laughs> if that's the correct assumption. I I think I think if anything, they might get along because they both see that uh, getting things done by any means possible. Okay. I, I mean, other than killing. Yeah. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. We've had many references to uh, Ferris Airfield in the show, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, we actually have. How Jordan show up, or any Green Lantern for that for that matter. Are we good on this episode? I think we are. I think we covered yeah. it pretty well. Anybody uh, has some other information they think they should put on, they should contact us any way possible. And next show on the list though is Flash. Woo! Now this was an epic episode and something I'll never forget because we took a classic Flash of Two World story and put it up on the screen. Enlighten me, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the classic Silver Age Clash of Two Worlds, uh, Barry Allen discovers that there's a alternate universe out of phase with his Earth, and uh, he sees that there there is Flash, J. Garrick Flash, the one that he reads about in comic books. Now, this is what happens in the comic book. In the TV show, J. Garrick is from Earth 2, or, or at least from an alternate Earth, where he has fight... He fights Zoom, uh, which is very reminiscent of a Black Flash in the comic books. The one that's basically the death for speedsters, people who use the speed force. So during the big singularity event that happened at the end of season one of Flash, they opened up a wormhole that kind of sucked in Jay Garrick and, and Zoom into their Earth. So... Now they're paying the price because in the first episode, Zoom sent Adam Smasher after Barry, and in this episode he sends a guy named Speed or not Speed Demon but Sand Demon after Barry. And uh, and I don't believe that this is a character from the comic books. I've never heard of him before, but he's very reminiscent of Sandman from Marvel comics. So if you think about it that way, you understand what his power sets are. Jay Garrick comes in and and Barry does not trust him. He doesn't trust him at all because it's it's he's very gun shy now from from pe- for people he doesn't know because of what happened between him and Harrison Wells or or Ebert Thawne, if you want to call him that. So Barry says, "Look, uh, I accept a lot of the information you're giving me, but you're gonna we're gonna do tests on you. We're gonna find out what you are about and if we can trust you or not, and then." we're going to put you in a cage. So <laughs> the makeshift prison that's still underneath Star Labs, Jay Garrett goes inside. All the tests go, come back saying, you know, that he's somewhat, he might be a guy that you can you can trust. And Barry still doesn't want to believe him. We get more into Cisco's powers. He He's purposely yep. using them now. He uh, helps find out where... Um, the girl that was kidnapped, Patty Svivet, uh, who wants to join the metahuman task force that Joe uh, heads, uh, was taken to by the Sand Demon. And he's able to tell Barry and Jay, who is now being trusted by Barry, where to find her. And that's where they head off to. Now, Jay has had his super speed taken away from him, so he doesn't think that he could be any help, but... Barry says, look, Speed De- or Sand Demon doesn't know that your speed was taken away, so you be a distraction, and I will go and uh, take him out. 
And the way that they have concocted that he can take him out is to basically use the lightning that comes off of him when he runs and throw that at the sand demon because everybody knows when lightning meets sand, you get glass. I thought it was fire. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Lightning meets tree, you get fire. (laughs) Lightning meets sand, you get glass. This brings up a good or an interesting point. In this episode, Barry uses his newfound power to throw lightning at the sand demon, and the, the guy turns into glass, falls over, and shatters. So you take this to account with Adam Smasher, both characters died. And you can kind of say that Adam Smasher died, uh, or they indirectly killed uh, Adam Smasher by pumping him too much fall, full of radiation. But this one, he directly killed him. If I mean, the way I see it, he killed him. Yeah. So that's two people that Barry's killed now, and that's there's no remorse, there's no talk about it. I don't understand what they're doing <laughs> here. I mean, even if he didn't, if those characters didn't die, then they should have some dialogue saying that. Otherwise, I'm going to le- be led to believe that they did die. Yeah, I I believe that Adam Smasher. I mean, I don't. I didn't think that he actually died, but we never saw him put in the pipeline. But yeah, he definitely shit got real. Barry killed a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly how he would reconstitute himself after being made, turned into glass and shattering. But I guess if you're made of sand, you might still be able to. But they should have some dialogue saying that. Yeah. Or they're going to try to maybe bring him back, but then it's going to be all confusing as how he came back. Yeah, but even if they if they did that later, if that's what the writers are planning, right now Barry doesn't know what he did to Sand Demon. He doesn't know that if he if he that he didn't kill him, so he would sh- he should I think he should be like, oh man, I killed the guy. What am I gonna do? I, I should he should be guilt ridden. I mean, I know that's not what this show is. It's a more upbeat show. It's a more uh, positive show. It's not the same as Arrow, but I think that it should be said that oh, it's raining outside. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it should be said that um you know, he he should have some dialogue saying, no, "Look, I I killed the guy. I don't know what to do with myself." Yeah. And I won't argue with you, with you there. <laughs> but we do have more about what's going on with the big baddie. We have we have the big Zoom character that we don't know who he is, we don't know what he is, but we know that he wants to kill all, or at least we're told that he wants to kill all speedsters. So he could be the only one left alive. What do you think of the costume and the voice? I thought the costume looked pretty cool. It's, it's almost like a, this character hasn't been unlocked yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the costume looked pretty cool. You have uh, the, the voice uh, of the guy who played Candyman, so that's interesting. I think it's more of a just we don't want to reveal who it is behind things, so they're just using a, a well-known voice actor's voice yes the big tease at the very end of the episode is well once we find out that there are 52 breaches in central city alone we can assume that there are definitely multiple earths out there and one of the earths that we get teased has a very steampunk jet punk kind of look with retro looking science fictiony things kind of like uh World's Fair, Science, World of Tomorrow show, and 
Star Labs, there's a group being led around Star Labs, like a, a group of little girls, probably Girl Scouts or whatever, that are um, taking the tour, and the tour guide says, look, here's our founder, Harrison Wells. And Harrison Wells is in the elevator, standing up without a wheelchair, and he comes walking out, and he says, welcome, or whatever. So that's interesting to think about. Now, is this another Harrison Wells that's being portrayed by Ibra Thawne? Or is it actually the Harrison Wells that, you know, didn't die in a car accident? It could be the one that didn't die in a car accident. But when he said a hello, he had that creepy smile, you know, with filled yeah, with evil intentions. Yeah, TV misdirect. Okay. But then again, we don't know anything about the real Harrison Wells. He could have been <laughs> an evil guy, too. <laughs> I mean, we just, the only Harrison Wells that we know is the one that was actually Ebert Thawne. So what the actual Harrison Wells could be like is up for grabs. And But then again, that could also just be a TV misdirect. It could be, hey, you know, from last season, this guy was bad. <laughs> Maybe he's bad still, but it could be like, no, why would he be bad? He's a completely different person. We Didn't we talk about this? Time travelers, you can never get rid of them. That's true. <laughs> you can never get rid of time travelers. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I wanted to touch, um, now that Barry put aside his, like, oh, I don't trust you, get away from me kind of thing, um, I actually, I'm looking forward to the Luke and Yoda um, relationship they're starting to have. Are you talking about with Jay? Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think Jay would appreciate, or Teddy Sears would appreciate you calling him Yoda. He ain't that old. <laughs> I did like that. Uh, Caitlin Snow uh, was kind of flirting with him or making googly eyes at him. Developing a crush. Developing a crush would be a good way of putting it. And I like that they kept his uh, somewhat of his origin story from the comic book with the heavy water. So that's a that's a cool thing. I think. It will be cool for Barry to have another person that he can learn things from. And then eventually, maybe if he, they can find a way to give Jay Garrick his speed back, that'd be pretty cool, too. Yeah. And maybe if, um, you know, Barry ever needs some counseling in the future, maybe he can travel to, you know, Jay's universe and train with him there or learn more. Yeah, we can get we can get more um, episodes of... of Barry actually traveling to alternate universes, that's going to be pretty cool. I mean, that's probably where we're going to see Caitlin as Killer Frost, yeah. more likely than not. True. Or maybe maybe Killer Frost will just come through a breach and they'll have to fight her in Barry's world. <laughs> and then it's like, wait, why are there two of you? Why is yeah, one evil? Exactly. Well, <laughs> they, yeah, they already had that kind of going with the Eddie Slick character from this episode. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I can't remember... Did Ronnie actually die, and have we covered this? Um, can he possibly be alive in another universe? I think it's very possible. I mean, more than likely that he is alive. It's very uh, comic book standard. If you don't see a body, that person's not dead. <laughs> and even if they do, you do see a body, that person still might not be dead. So we have at the end or the beginning of the or during the first episode of this season. They do a flashback to the end of the episode of last season where we didn't see it that Ronnie and Professor Stein combined together to make Firestorm to go up to the Singularity and uh, use their powers to close it up. When he 
closes it up, it causes a huge explosion, and the two of them separate, and Barry is able to catch Stein and bring him down to safety, but he doesn't see Ronnie anywhere. So more than likely, uh, the, the two separated. Ronnie might be stuck in another dimension somewhere. Uh, he might have been transported through time because of the way his powers work. It, there's endless possibilities with what happened to him. We know that Firestorm is going to be in Legends of Tomorrow, so more than likely he's not dead. Perfect. And I just want to say, if he does go back in time, is he going to go crazy again? I doubt it. <laughs> I, I think I, I doubt they would use the same thing again. And especially since now that he has that uh, Matrix thing to freak, to calm him down, he, I, I doubt they'll go to that well again. All right. And um, since you know you know more about the Crimson Comet, um, who did who was Jay referring to when he said that he has lost somebody very dear to him? Um, I would probably say that it's it's supposed to be Joan Allen, his wife. In the comic books, his, his wife's not dead. The fact that he was flirting with Caitlin <laughs> back a little, he she probably is dead in, in, in this set of comic books. Or this set of storylines. Okay. And last, last thing. How do you, what do you think is going to happen with Joe, Joe's wife? You know, since she just showed up out of the blue. That is crazy. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do with that storyline. She's going to be part of their uh, lives. It might be. It's obviously, if she does become part of their lives, it's going to be another person that they're supposed to keep to se- keep a secret from. And if they have to keep a secret from her, then that's going to be drama that they can bring <laughs> up constantly. Why are you keeping a secret from me? What is the secret? Eh, I gotta go to work. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think that we covered most of what happened in Flash. So. We can go on to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, so this episode three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't too big, I wouldn't say. Basically, you have two groups going after one uh, inhuman, Lincoln, the doctor that we saw in the first episode of the season and the one that helped out Sky or Daisy in the previous season learn how to use her powers. He has electricity set power set and... Um, He's on the run because he doesn't want to go with S.H.I.E.L.D. And he also doesn't want to go with this TACU group that the U.S. government put together to take down inhumans or powered beings or whatever you want to call them. Coulson is basically trying to run interference with the TACU and they are butting heads. And he meets up with the leader of their group, which I can't quite remember her name, but the, the actress is Constance Zimmer, who I really enjoy. She's been in a lot of things that I enjoy, like uh, Entourage. She plays one of the Warner Brothers execs, and she's she was on the seat the she was in all this a lot of the seasons and the movie, and then she was also on, recently on this show called Unreal that was on Lifetime. Really great show. It's all about the behind the scenes stuff that ha- It's a it's a fictional show. It's really exceptional writing, and it's it's, it's about a sh- it's a show that's about making a bachelor like show reality show so all the it shows how all the producers completely manipulate all the contestants on the show to to get the best drama that can be aired and how everything is edited to make it make people look certain ways to help sell their product but it's a really good show and she plays the lead producer of that show getting back to agents of shield though her and colson meet meet on a pier to basically negotiate 
what's going to happen with this Lincoln character when one of their teams catches up to him. And simultaneously, they do catch up to him, and Daisy is telling him that you're going to come with us to S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to take care of you, you're not going to be in danger. Well, the lady from the TACU says, look, if you don't give me Lincoln, I'm going to take Daisy because I she's unregistered, and I know she has the power now because we have footage of her using the power. Well, Coulson says, look, I can't let you do that. But how about this? And his big trump card is that he's going to come work for, with them. So basically, they're merging the two groups. And Coulson's like, look, it's t- I'm tired of this two, two departments working towards the same goal, fighting each other. We're not getting anything done that way. We need to just work together. So this is what he's doing. And uh, that's kind of what the big thing that we get from this episode is that we're going to have a new group entering in with S.H.I.E.L.D. to figure out what they're going to do with these Inhumans. The other big thing was the character of Hunter, who, if we remember, wants to infiltrate Hydra using uh, May as his handler, kind of. They go and try and sell some, or they want to go buy some arms, no, either buy or sell some arms to uh, one of Hunter's old buddies that doesn't know that he's a agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. They just kind of remember him as a merc. So he go, they go to this guy, and the guy goes, look, yeah, I can get you in with this Hydra group, but uh, you need to pass their test. And, well, the test is to fight your way in, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when Hunter gets there, he's ready to, to, to do whatever fighting he needs to do. Uh, he doesn't realize that it's going to be against the guy that he thought was his buddy. Well, the guy says, oh, I'm not your buddy. I've, I've never really liked you, so I'm ready to kick your ass. And it gets a pretty bloody knockdown fight. And, uh, you know, eventually Hunter does win. I think he pretty much killed the dude because <laughs> he pulls out some brass knuckles and just goes to work on his head. So they lead him into an, the next room. And then the next room is uh, Ward's left-hand man, whoever you want to call it, his, his lackey that says, all right, we're ready to talk to you about what's your next step to getting into the group. And that's where that ends. So it, once again... The episode wasn't too important. It was a lot of talk and a lot of politics. The best part of the episode was Hunter, probably, I would say. It's really standing by for what's going to come next with either the Inhumans part of the story or how it's going to relate back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's how I feel. In my descriptions of of the three episodes so far of that of that show this season, have I enticed you any more into catching up with this show? <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> Good to know. I just I, I I wonder how my recaps of the show have either swayed or dissuaded audience members or listeners from watching the show. I personally think the show is really good. You just have to get past the first part of the first season, and then you can it will you'll be enjoyable. I think we might have a couple slow episodes this season right now, but I, it will definitely ramp up after the new year. Something we can look forward to. Exactly. So I say you get your episodes in before the new year, Daniel. <laughs> All right. That is something I will accomplish. <laughs> and I guess that brings us right to the big one. The Walking Dead Season 6. Episode 1. <laughs> episode 1. An hour and 30 some odd minutes. Oh, man. I I don't even know where to begin. Well, what did you just, what is your overall feeling? What did you overall think of the episode without getting into detail? Shit's going to get crazy. Er. <laughs> Crazier from yeah. this point? Yes. All right. I, I, I think that's a, that's a definite 
possibility that this shit's going to get pretty crazy from here on out. Do you want to kind of recap what happens in the episode? Basically, and I'll just be completely honest, get it off off my chest, um, this episode took place right after, you know, Rick killed the doctor dude. Porch dick. Yeah, <laughs> porch dick, yes, from Nerdist, <laughs> or uh, from Talking Dead. <laughs> killed him. It's picking up as to what their next move is going to be. Uh, this whole episode was, I want to say, 50-50 flashbacks and current time. Um, I think the episode actually opens up with Eugene um, letting this group into the Alexandria safe zone. And they're like, well, who are you? And he's like, my name's Eugene. I normally don't watch the gate. She says she wanted to go take a break, quick five minutes, but it's been past five minutes. She still hasn't come back. So, yeah, I'm going to let you guys in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Eugene uh, was was put on guard duty, and, and which is funny because, yeah, this is a group that was I – mean, obviously not a lot of time has passed. These This is a group that went out on a longer run than the normal run that Deanna's son usually goes on. So they went out further to pick up supplies and whatever they could, and they they're coming back after everything has gone down, and this new and uh, Rick's group has already come to Alexandria, so they were out for you know a couple weeks or so, and we know that not a lot of time has passed from the time that he killed Por- Porch Day, but yeah, the episode is split into two, where the black and white parts of the show are what's happened right after they killed Porch Dick and. Um, they lead up to where the other parts of the show where a plan that Rick has come up with to get walkers away from Alexandria is being executed. So we're kind of waiting for the two timelines to uh, merge or come together throughout the whole episode. Did, uh, did the black and white filter work for you? Honestly, I really didn't feel like th- uh, th- it did because it, I thought it was a great thing because there wasn't a lot of time that was skipped from the end of last season to the beginning of this season. So if they hadn't done the black and white thing, I think it would have been a little bit more difficult to figure out what part was in the past and which part was in the, was in the present without them constantly saying one week ago or present time or three days ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think putting in the black and white filter was a good idea a lot of people say it's, you know, kind of throwing a more homage to the comic book because the comic books are completely black and white. Honestly, I didn't think they needed to do it that way. The episode, I think, would have played out just fine if they did it completely linear, where we start up right after he kills uh, the Doctor and then go right into them figuring out what they're going to do, you know, about getting the the walkers away from the quarry. So that's a big part of the show, the episode. In the black and white episodes, Rick finds out that the reason why Alexandria isn't attacked more often is because most of the walkers have fallen into a quarry that is being basically plugged up by semi-trucks, the exits and entries. The more noise they make down there attracts more walkers. The more walkers that come slide down into the quarry, and they're all stuck down there, basically keeping Alexandria safe. Yes. What do you think of the uh, CG of the truck falling? (laughs) The CG in the show has never really been so has never really been great. The practical effects in the show have always been great. Yes. So when you see a lot of the walkers that are down the quarry, that you can tell that it's a lot of CG uh, walkers. And then yes, the truck falling down is is very CG. But later on, when you have the parade of 
of walkers being led down the streets, you know, those are practical zombies, so it looks great. Yeah. So, bringing back to that, I mean, Rick go. I guess they have a town hall meeting, and Rick devises this plan as, like, we need to lead them away. Uh, you know, if we get them to this part, we can go ahead and guarantee safety for us and our community. And and who is it that, that starts doubting him and questioning his move? Uh, I don't remember what his name is, but it's it's played by the actor Ethan Embry. He's been in things like Vegas Vacation, Dutch, Disturbing Behavior, Empire Records. You know, he's he's been around. He's been an actor for a long time. So he, I don't exactly remember what his character is, character's name is, but he doesn't understand why so much is happening and Rick is taking so much, so like such big reins or being in charge of stuff because he's part of the group that was out uh, on the long run. So it's interesting to see that he doesn't quite know what to do with Rick, even though one of his, you know a guy that he does know is now dead because of Rick. Yep. And throughout the whole episode, he's kind of push. He's 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 a lot of the pushback on Rick on whether or not to do what Rick says and if Rick's plan is good, even to the point where he decides to come up with a secret group, a secret council that wants to kind of overthrow Rick. And poor Eugene, uh, they have their meeting in the in the uh, basically in the area where they keep a lot of the food and rations and stuff. And poor Eugene goes in there to get get himself some jelly, I guess, <laughs> something that's in a glass jar. And he overhears them talking about overthrowing Rick. And he, being being Eugene that he is, drops one of the jars, makes a whole bunch of noise, and they come looking at him. So Ethan Embry comes up and holds a gun straight to his face and says, well, he heard our plan, so we need to deal with him. And just in the nick of time, Rick and his and his group come in and say, what the hell's going on here? As Ethan Emery has a gun pointed right at Eugene's head. And he gives them pointers on how to hold a secret meeting. Like, Rick, why would you, why would you do that, man? Because he wants to point out that the guy was an idiot, that he did, he did things wrong. You're going to have a secret meeting. Don't do it in the place where people are going to be showing up. Have someone on lookout. So, I, it, was, it was a funny thing. And then, you know, you, you get the feeling that Rick might kill the guy for trying to throw a mutiny, I guess you want to call it. Morgan's kind of like, hey, 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 we're supposed to be different. Remember? <laughs> it, he kind of talks him down. Yeah, but I think, and I completely agree with Rick, and I think they had this conversation, he had this conversation with Morgan this season, but I know he had it last season, just saying, like, the people in this community are weak, man. They don't know what's out of here. They're just trying to live. So it definitely adds on to why that guy was making excuses and, you know, giving so much pushback as to why he didn't like Rick's plan, which made me feel like this guy's afraid. He's a little bitch. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't want to do it. He's afraid. Right, and that kind of leads into what the conversation him and Morgan have later where he says, why, why didn't you kill him then? And he says, well, I don't need to kill him. Guys like that are going to end up dying anyway because they don't know what they need to do. They don't know what to do, they need to do to stay alive. He's telling him, like, the guy, you know, hopefully I can just keep make it so that people, he doesn't take down anybody with him, but he, he's going to die anyway, so it's not that big a deal to me. And, and <laughs> what, what happens right after that scene, uh, we flash back to present time, and they're, they're walking the walkers down their 20-mile hike, and he gets eaten by a zombie right to the face. And 
he's sitting there screaming and screaming and screaming, and he's attracting more walkers away from the parade, uh, which is against the, the plan, and Rick has to do what he has to do, and he stabs him in the back of the head so the guy dies and stops stops making noise. Pretty much, shh, 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 only dreams now. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that the character was introduced in this one episode, given such a big part, and then killed right away. Yeah. I felt bad because I like Ethan Embry. I think he's a good, he's a good actor, so I wish I wanted him to stay longer. Uh, another one of the, the, the people that was in the, the group that went on the long uh, run was... I don't remember what his name is, but Eugene compliments him on his strong hair game because he has dreadlocks that, or yeah, he has braids. I guess you want to call it. Oh, uh, braids he- that. Heath or Keith? I think it was. I think it was Heath. Heath. I think it was Heath. Yeah. So Heath has uh, a strong hair game, according to <laughs> Eugene. But that actor was the same actor that played Dr. Dre in the Straight Outta Compton movie. I don't know if you ended up watching it. No, I haven't not seen it yet. It was interesting to see. Uh, see him in this role huh the other thing another big development that happened in this episode was they're divvying they're divvying up who's going to do what part in this parade of walkers and abraham says he will go with sasha in the car and right away he talks to him and says she he talks to sasha and says are you are you going to be able to do this you know you obviously had a little bit of problems last season well he doesn't say season i say (laughs) He's had yeah a little bit of problems earlier, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm good. I'm good now," because as we know in The Walking Dead, when you have psychological problems, emotional problems, you just have to beat on a few things, and then you're good again. Yep, that's right. So <laughs> at first, you see this conversation between the two of them, and you're like, "That that is strange that uh, he would have this conversation," but it's good that he's looking out for. Her. But then later on in the episode, he gets out of the car and just kind of risks his life when he doesn't need to. So it's almost like he was asking permission. Uh, are you good? Because I'm going to go crazy now. <laughs> he he goes out there and he starts taking unnecessary risks with uh, hurting up some zombies or some walkers that got away from the rest of the horde. And uh, she's kind of looking at him like, what is wrong with you, dude? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny that uh, that's the way that ended up playing out. I guess uh, the next thing I did want to go ahead and say is uh, they're really writing Glenn to be this strong character, and, and, you know, he's actually my favorite character on the show, so I'm glad that, I guess, making him a lot tougher and a lot more like a leader. Oh, yeah, definitely, and I think they've been, since Woodbury, they've been playing it up that Glenn is definitely going to be a leader of of, of a group, you know, whether or not he's the next in line or how you want to see it, but... Yeah, Glenn is is being portrayed to be a very strong character. I think the other thing that was interesting is that Daryl was very upset, like visibly upset with Rick when Rick says we're we're stopping the the recruitment runs, and that was like Daryl's newfound purpose in life was to go go find new people that need help and need to be brought into the community, and he says no, that we're not doing that right now. We need to protect the people that we have first. Uh, and we're stopping that indefinitely, you know, it's, he, he was very upset about that, but he, of course he didn't, he didn't push back. He didn't, um, he didn't uh, argue. He just, he fell in line and he said, look, I, that's, I, I don't like that. I don't like that idea, but I'll do what you need, what needs to be done. Even Merle said that, you know, 
that he just he's a pushover when it comes to Rick. And is it because he respects him so much that he's a pushover? Or, you know, at one time back in the prison, you know, he felt that Rick was doing the right things and that's why he was being a pushover and just allowing things to happen. I think that honestly, I, I, I'm not sure. I, but what I think is that he, he, he follows Rick because he, he, he believes Rick knows what's best to keep, to keep everybody alive. He also knows uh, what to do to keep himself alive. And Daryl was very good about keeping himself and maybe one other person alive. But he also had his chance while in the prison to be the leader. And he did a good job, but look what happened at the prison. <laughs> yeah. The governor still attacked, killed a lot of people. So he might be gun-shy in taking that leader role again. Did you like it when it was uh, a rictator? Or do you like it that it's a rictatorship again? Or did you like what they had in the prison? It was more like of a, I guess, a community, kind of like how they have an arrow right now where... You know, it was the four main people, and they're all discussing the issues going on. Okay, they need the dictatorship right now to get everybody in line, to keep everybody alive and to understand what needs to happen. But then you go into this communal government kind of idea where they vote on what, what like a, a group of people votes on what is best for the rest of the community. In a, and they, they figure out how to best serve everyone instead of Rick just telling everybody what's going to be happening. But that is what they need right now because the community is so broken and doesn't know what they need to do to stay alive that if you just did it the other way that it wouldn't it wouldn't work out. Okay. So my biggest problem with this episode was I don't understand what I really don't understand what the end game of the plan was for the, the Walker Parade. They made this long ass course where they are walking these uh, walkers, these zombies, from what I understand, like twenty miles away from the city. But what's going to stop them from turning around and just walking straight back towards the city? But we don't even get to that point because someone starts setting off an alarm or a horn or some kind of loud noise that attracts all the walkers back to Alexandria. So I just have three theories on what it could be. Let's hear it. First one, you know, it could be a distress call from from Alexandria because it seemed like they took the best people to go out, out on this run. So maybe they're being overrun by something. There's been a security breach and they're just using that as means as a, you know, a distress call. Like, come here, come. Yeah, that could be it. Um, But it seemed like the people that were back at Alexandria when the alarm was going off were just as surprised by the alarm going off. So I don't know if that would be exactly what it is. Maybe, I mean, that could be a, a bit of TV misdirect where they were actually being afraid of whatever is taking over the the city and we don't we don't see it as an audience yet i think that that's uh i don't think that's what's happening there but what's your next theory next theory it could be uh the wolves they found a hole in the in the wall um somehow managed to get inside of alexandria and they're dragging all the all the zombies or all the walkers to alexandria yeah that's definitely a possibility i don't think it would be too difficult for them to find a, a, a hole in the security. We, we've seen the kids climb up and down the walls repeatedly, and that's when everybody is back at, at Alexandria. Right now, they're, they're probably down to a quarter of the people that are supposed to be there. They, the wolves, who they've been hinting at since last season, repeatedly, could be over the wall and attacking. 
and then set off the alarm to attract the walkers back to Alexandria. So that's definitely a possibility. What's what's the next theory? If you remember correctly, in the beginning of the episode, um, and I think start, this might have been a flashback and then goes to present time when, you know, they're burying the bodies and then they say, like, you know, he doesn't deserve a grave, you know. Uh, but then I think Deanna's like, well, you know, at least not a grave here, but bury, take his body and bury him somewhere else. And you just see Reggie, his son, kind of watching this going on, this little argument. And they decide and they agree that, yeah, okay, fine, we're not going to bury him inside these walls. We'll just take him somewhere out in the wilderness and we'll bury him. Okay, his let me body stop there. you real fast. Okay. I don't remember that kid Reggie being in the, the last season. I don't. I only remembered one son. I didn't know where this other son came from. I think, yeah, I know, but I think they might have shown Reggie when they go, when Carl hangs out with all the other kids because there's uh, three or four other teenagers there. That's true. I do remember that scene, but I just I, I don't know. To me, it, I don't think it was to, in my mind. It was never established that he was the second kid of the doctor and the the lady. I forget what her name is. Jules, Jen, something with a J, right? Yeah, I don't remember her name either. <laughs> Judy? No, I don't no. know. Either way, it's uh, yeah. I don't. I just it's like when when they they showed the scene with the the widow and the young son and then this older son, I was like, where did he come from? I don't remember him being in the last season. Anyways, go back to your theory. He is, he follows them out to the gravesite. And then like, whoa, kid, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just want to know where you guys were going to bury my father. And then he's like, you can't be here. It's not safe for you. Yeah, exactly. Take into account that this is the walkers were chasing him and he, Rick basically saves him from falling into the quarry uh, by by grabbing him out of the way, and the walkers do fall into the quarry, and this is where we learn about the walkers in the quarry. So, yeah. The, rescue him? You mean tackle him? <laughs> well, he tackled him, but yeah, it's, he still rescued him. Yeah. He was going to get eaten or fell, fall to his death. <laughs> <laughs> I think just with that happening, and then basically Rick talking down to the kid, um, you know, obviously the kid already has no respect for him, you know, killed my dad, and now you're giving me orders, and you're giving everybody else in Alexandria orders, so I'm, I can assume that the kid did not go on the run to lure the zombies to the quarry, or wherever they're taking them to, and I think it might be him just saying, like, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, I'm not going to trust him as a leader, and he's the one honking the horn in Alexandria. In that, that's a definite possibility also, uh, I don't think it was a, a car horn because it's it's way too loud. It, to me, it sounds more like a uh, factory whistle, but I don't know why there would be a factory anywhere nearby. <laughs> but something, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to find out what what it was that that disrupted this plan, and which basically sets it up for a very very massive next episode. Yes. And I just got to ask in the middle of this, it, did Carol decide to stay back or did she say uh, stay in Alexandria? I'm not sure if she ended up staying, because I know there is the sign when she's handing out drinks or snacks and Morgan says, are you ex-police too? And she's like, no, I'm just a Sally homemaker. And she's like, no, I see you. You're staring at everybody. You're You're making sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and what they're not supposed to be doing, so you have something more to you, which is, I thought was interesting, because as much as uh, Carol is trying to hide it that she's a badass, Morgan can see through it, so 
I think that's that might be an interesting relationship budding there. Yeah. And the only reason I ask is um, because, say, this is... I mean, we know it's coming from inside the walls of Alexandria. At this point, I feel like Carol... She's going to do whatever's necessary and make sure everybody's safe and make sure that no other walkers get lured there. So she's going to do whatever is necessary, and she's going to blow her cover. More than likely, yeah. She's probably she's probably is back at Alexandria with Maggie and the other people, and she she probably will end up having to blow her cover. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. We'll we'll see what she has to do in the next episode and how the rest of the season plays out. Did you have any other things that you wanted to bring up? Protein bar. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan's protein bar. Isn't that just how it is? You always think you have one peanut butter left and it's not there. God, that was awesome. It was, it was a funny joke. And Morgan's, he brings up something to his, Michelle, can I ask you a question? You think it's going to be a very serious question. What What's going to happen in, with this group? But then he's like, did you eat my peanut butter protein bar back when at the place that I was at? And she's like, nope. Sure did it. And we all know that to be a lie. She took that protein bar. God. That, uh, this episode, I wasn't too fond of it, only because the flashbacks kind of killed it for me. Um, I would have used a different filter to make it seem like um, it was a memory or somebody else's point of view. Um, but that's the only problem I had with this episode, and I can't wait to see what this season has in store for us. Right. So I think, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting season. To say the least, uh, I think we need to. I think we need to embrace ourselves or plan for um, some major deaths to happen. Oh, and they'll be good. They'll be good deaths. And they will. <laughs> they will probably be good deaths. We are good for this episode. Next week we will have a double episode of Gotham to go over, and we will have more Arrow, more Flash, and definitely more Walking Dead. Woo! <laughs> So the things you can do, you can go on to geekleetradio.com, sign up for our forum, come on there, talk to us, talk to each other. We're trying to create a very friendly community where everybody can express their ideas and uh, you know have discussions on the things they like, things they don't like. You can get us at Twitter, at geekleetradio, uh, Facebook, facebook.com backslash geekleetradio. We can be found on iTunes. If you can go down, go there, download the episode, give us a rating, write a review. It doesn't matter what you say, uh, whatever, however you want to put it. Just go ahead and do that. And we can also be found on Stitcher now. So <laughs> if you want to go to Stitcher, you can get us. You can get us there. We have lots of different programming on Geekly Radio. So if you're into what we have to say here on Televised Rogues, check out Standard Definition, where we talk about TV shows from the late 80s, early 90s. Check out Hey Mitch, where I usually have a guest and we just talk about everything and anything under the sun. And a very new show that we premiered this past weekend called Imagine If, where Franny and myself talk about comic books and comic book stories that we've liked throughout the, the years. And then we put in different superheroes from different worlds into those same scenarios to see how it plays out. So we have lots of content. Everybody should come check it out. So for Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network, I'm Mitch, agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter, and Daniel. Just going to throw out my name, Daniel Barroso, same way on Facebook, and you can also find me on Twitter that way. 
All right. See you next time. Have a good night, everyone. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.